0: Welcome to church this morning, like T- Pastor Top said, I am Pastor Neil, I'm the Associate Campus Pastor and the Youth Pastor here, for those of you who don't know me, my privilege to have been on staff uh, 20 months now, coming up on, end of the year will be two years for me, and I count it a privilege, and I want to say thank you to Pastor Rob and to Topper for the opportunity to preach this morning. Um, It's an honor to step on this pulpit and share with you. It's an honor to preach the word of God. There's places in the world where they don't get to do that. There's places in the world, there's places in this country that can't even sit together because of the restrictions that are happening right now. Don't ever forget. Don't ever lose your gratefulness for the freedom that we have and the opportunity that we have to hear the gospel and to gather this morning. This morning, I'm going to start with a little bit longer text of scripture, but it really sets up the entire message. It's going to be up on the screen, and just follow along with me. Luke 10, uh, verses 25 to 37. The most important commandment. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They, They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him for dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed on the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw, him, saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Interesting story. Interesting response to the question. And I love how, for a baseball analogy, I believe that Jesus could hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball if he wanted to. But instead, the expert of the law basically took the baseball and put it on a tee so that Jesus could knock it out of the park. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about Jesus' response to his question. But let's start by by talking about um, and looking at four of the people who are involved in the story. First of all, there is the expert of the law. In our day, he would have been a lawyer. That's what he would have been. He was the one who asked Jesus the question. And to be a legal expert in the time of Jesus also meant that he was an expert in the Bible as well. He understood the scriptures. But here's the thing. This wasn't someone that was just asking a question to Jesus. This was someone who knew the scriptures. He understood them, and he was trying to manipulate them for his own gain and not for what he could learn from them. The experts of the law were examples of people who knew a lot about the scriptures. They had a lot of knowledge. They, they knew all the right rituals But they missed what it meant to fully follow Jesus. The expert knew the truth in his head, but he didn't allow it to transform his heart. Next, let's look at the priest. The priest was the representation. He was the leader of the temple in Jesus' day. The people believed that they were especially close to God and that they served God. And the fact was that the priest, someone who served God and helped people, would would lead us to believe that he should be willing to help Right? I mean, that's what, that's what we'd think. But the reality was just because there was an expectation on his life, and it came with a title and a position, it did not mean that that expectation was put into practice, or that he lived it out. When we have the title, or when people may know that we're Christians, are we taking the opportunity to live that out, to help people, to help our neighbors? Or do we pass them by? The temple assistant. The temple assistant in that time would have been a Levite. And the Levites served in the temple as gatekeepers and musicians. They were important. They had a they had a place. They had a purpose in their lives and and in what they got to do for their, their living. But it was just a title. It was just the thing he did. He did take the time, he did take the effort to go over to the man to see how bad the situation was. But in the end, just like the priest, there was an expectation that was placed on his life that wasn't lived out through his actions. He too avoided helping the man who had been beaten by crossing on the other side of the road. Now let's take a look at the Samaritan. Those listening to Jesus' story would not have expected anything from him. They wouldn't have, and certainly wouldn't have expected him to help. At that time, the Jews and the Samaritans despised each other, like loathed each other, like wanted nothing to do with each other type of thing. And the ironic thing is, looking back in history, historians tell us now, they they hated each other so much, nobody actually knows why. It's one of those things that, looking back now, there's, there's a couple of speculations, but All we know is they they just genuinely couldn't stand each other. But there was so much hate, so much unforgiveness between them. No one really knows where it came from. When the Samaritan man came upon uh, the Jewish man who had been beaten and left for dead, verse 33 tells us he had compassion for him. But he didn't stop there. He went over to him. He went out of his way to help Side note, what would happen and how differently would our lives change and how differently would they look if we checked in on our neighbors, if we went to them in true humility and love and asked how they were doing and if there was anything that we could do to help them. Okay, back to the message. He cleaned his wounds and bandaged them. He put the man on his donkey. He took him to an inn where he took care of him. He invested his time, his physical energy, his money, his reputation in someone that he only knew two things about. He knew that because of what their culture said, the guy who was beaten was someone that he was supposed to despise. And he knew that because he was beaten, he was in a really bad place. Those were the only two things he knew, and yet he still went out of his way to help. The Samaritan was the last and the most unexpected person for compassion and care to come from. Too often we don't help at all, or we avoid opportunities to help because we don't think that we can solve the whole problem. We think that that's our responsibility, and and here's the thing, rarely are we called to solve the whole problem, but we're always called to be part of the solution. Always. We need to stop thinking or believing that in every situation it requires us to escort people all the way from point A to, To point Z. And what we need to start looking at, what we need to simply and obediently start looking at, is what God is asking us to do one step at a time. What is the A to B or the B to C that God is giving each of us the opportunity to be a part of in someone's life? We often don't realize the difference that a listening ear, an encouraging word, a bag of groceries, a gift card, or how helping something that needs to be fixed can be the boost of encouragement that someone needs while they're waiting for their breakthrough. So often it's the little things that we do that make the biggest difference. Because here's the reality. We look, at the, we look at the story of this Jewish man that was beaten. Samaritan man played an important part. But that was a small snippet of his life. Yeah, yeah. There were many other people that, that played a part in his life. And we don't know his whole story. We won't know that until we get to heaven. But in that same way, what's the part that we're supposed to play? What's the A to B? What's the A to C? We need to allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit and love people the way that Jesus does. Three points to my message. The first one is this. Pray in being God's word. Spend time talking and listening to God. Have conversations with him, allowing space for him to speak to you. Prayer is something that we need to do throughout our day, not just once a day. You say that again. Prayer is something that we need to do throughout our day and not just once a day. Something that needs to live in us. God, Get in, God, get in the word of God. Be in the word of God and stay in the word of God. So often, you, you hear it from the platform. We talk about it. Topper does an amazing job. We talk about it during announcements. Are you doing soap? Are you doing soap? Are you in God's word? Are you letting it change and penetrate and transform you when's the last time you had a conversation about what you read when was the last time or maybe the question should be asked when's the first time that you're going to join a bible study men I want to challenge you challenge you join a promise principle group plain and simple be in God's word with other men so that you can lead yourself better spiritually and so that you can minister to others more effectively. We need to lead, lead ourselves well spiritually so that we can minister to others more effectively. Good, they can't be just things we check off the list. We talk about them all the time and it feels like Oh, yep, nope, I know that. I got to do that. Yep, nope, I got to. But it can't be that. It can't be the thing that there needs to be an expectancy in our life when we go into the word of God. God, show me something today. God, I need to, I need to learn something from you. I want to hear you speak to me today. So good. Praying and spending time in God's word keeps our hearts in check and moves us towards compassion like the Samaritan man. Psalm 119, 105 says this. Your word is a lamp to, for my feet, a light to my path. Matthew seven twenty four says, Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to the wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. Is there ever been a time in our lives where we need an unshakable foundation more than we do right now? The storm's gonna come. We're seeing that. We're living in the midst of it. Is this the worst time in history? No, I'm not gonna go there and say what is, what isn't. But this is a difficult time. Mainly because we don't know what tomorrow's gonna hold or next week or, or next month. And that's why we need a, a firm foundation, a solid foundation on the rock. My second point is this: forgive. Forgive yourself. Accept the forgiveness that our Heavenly Father extends to us through the forgiveness that Jesus paid for by dying on the cross. Forgive others. It's not only is it biblical, Ephesians 4.32 says, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Wow. I mean, wow. If you sit and just think about that for a minute especially in the midst of all that's going on has God graciously forgiven you then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Xavier would you join me on the platform? As a youth pastor I enjoy using illustrations to help us understand things and if you don't like illustrations I guess now may be a good time to take a nap for a couple minutes. We give Xavier a hand. How's it going? Stand right here, right here, okay. Scripture that many of us have heard before is Matthew 7, 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Obviously, it would be hard for me to hand Xavier a speck of wood, so I'm going to hand him a splinter. Hold this. Okay, real specific instructions. Don't poke your eye out. I don't want to answer to your mother, okay? Don't do that. What what does a splinter represent? So often we see it in our culture, we see it in our society, people pointing things out left and right, rarely confessing about things that they struggle with, rarely confessing about the things that they need to work on. Constantly looking at the splinter. Constantly looking at that. And for this point, let's talk about Unforgiveness. That represents something that someone maybe in Xavier's life that he hasn't forgiven for whatever reason. I'm preaching at him. I'm preaching at him. But that's, see, if we just look at that part of the scripture, we've missed the point of it. And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. And sometimes, sometimes we need an illustration. Sometimes we need something to help us understand. Okay? Okay, so for all you visual learners out here, this is for you. We look, at this, we look at the splinter, but we don't look at the plank in our own eye. This is, this is what it looks like. This is, this is what that scripture is talking about right there. But I want to go a little bit further with this and explain something. If I'm called to people, and we're all called to people, we're all called to minister to people, the problem is not with the splinter right there. The problem is with this thing. Because when I have a plank in my eye, what does it do? It causes distance between Xavier and I. And if God is calling me to people, then not only is it causing distance between Xavier and I, it's causing distance between God and myself. I'll take that splinter from you. Thanks, Xavier. We need to begin to look at Scripture differently. We need to begin to understand what true, un- true forgiveness is all about so that we don't have unforgiveness in our lives. We look at a world who's screaming about all the things that are wrong and all the pain. And I can't wonder what, how much of it has to do with unforgiveness, people being hurt. And yes, people are going to hurt us. I'm not saying that, that we, should, we can avoid that happening, but how we respond to it how we allow God to work in our lives through that. That's something we can, can control. Point number three is this, love. Love God, love yourself, and love others. We need to love God and accept his love for our lives. We need to love ourselves the way that Jesus does as a child of the king. Yeah. So each of us are. We're created in his image We need to love others, yes, because we're commanded to, but also because it should flow out and be poured out of us as God gives us opportunities to be changed, shaped, and molded into who he's calling us to be. Our ability to love someone has nothing to do with their ability to agree with us or believe the same way we do. Our ability to love someone has nothing to do with their ability to agree with us or believe the same way that we do. We're called to be the example. We're called to make a difference. We're called to be a light. How's your light shining? 1 Corinthians 13:4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. How does... Or should this verse change our perspective when we look at, I don't know, our world, our culture, our state, social media, our workplace, our city, our family, our marriage, our friends, our neighbors? Who is your neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Anyone that God brings us into contact with anyone and everyone when the expert of the law asked Jesus the question he was simply trying to justify his actions because he wanted to he wanted his actions to affect the people that he chose to be around but Jesus showed him that it was everyone that he came in contact with. Jesus was using this story to break down barriers, to break down circles, people that had, had, had entrenched themselves with groups of people and didn't want anything to do with others. And Jesus said, that's, that's not the way it is. It's not who I've called you to be. Everyone that we come in contact with. I want to leave you with one question. One question. Like the Good Samaritan, when was the last time that you were an unexpected source of grace, compassion, and love to your neighbor? When was the last time that you took the opportunity to make a difference? When was the last time that you took the opportunity to give an encouraging word, to ask someone if you could help, to ask someone how they're doing, Maybe it's the literal person the driveway right next to yours. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's someone in your own household. But when is the last time you were an unexpected source of grace, compassion and love? Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. The Samaritan did an amazing thing. He showed compassion Jesus did an even more amazing thing when he came to this earth and he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins so that we could have right relationship with Jesus. Topper talked about it during communion, about the covenant that he made. Maybe you're here and the story of the Samaritan doesn't necessarily make sense. Maybe it makes sense in the fact that, yeah, he did some good things. But the compassion, the love, understanding what Jesus did when he died on the cross for you and me maybe maybe there's something that just doesn't ring true because you haven't had the opportunity to give your life to Jesus maybe you're here and there's unforgiveness maybe there's some things that it's been difficult to let go of but maybe this morning is your opportunity lay those things down and walk out of here freer than when you came in. Maybe you're here and at one time you had a relationship with Christ but for whatever reason you've turned and walked away. If any of those apply to you in a moment I want to ask you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you. Before we do that love for each of us just to take a moment and ask God an honest question God who is my neighbor who are you calling me to who are you calling me to see that I haven't seen who are you calling me to talk to that I haven't talked to who are you calling me to give towards that I haven't given to this morning if you're in this place and you haven't given your life to Jesus if you've allowed things to come in between you and him if you've allowed unforgiveness in if you've turned your back on Jesus and walked away when I count to three I simply would ask that you raise your hand acknowledging that yes that's me but I don't want to stay in this place yes that's me but I want to walk out differently I want to walk out with my life right with my heavenly father One, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman comes to the Father but through me. Two, his word also says that if we ask, he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins. Three, if that's you in this place, would you simply raise a hand right now? I see that hand. I see that hand in the back. see those hands. Is there anyone else simply lifting a hand, acknowledging, you know What? It's time. I want my life right with him. I want to know that I'm right with my Heavenly Father. Thank you, you can put your hands down. I want to pray a prayer, and I'd love for all of us to repeat this prayer. For the person who raised people who raised their hand, it's about asking and accepting forgiveness. For the rest of us, it's about agreeing with them about being the body of christ it's about it starts right here praying this prayer it's showing compassion it's showing love it's showing you know what i'm with you in this and this is where it starts but it can't stay right here let's start with this right now would you repeat after me heavenly father thank you for loving me thank you for dying on the cross to forgive me of my sins Come into my life. Change me. Make me new. I love you, Father. Amen. Can we celebrate?